0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rice and Mike's Podcast. I am your host, Tung Nguyen, and today I am joined by a very, very special... I need to find the adjectives. I keep saying special for every guest, but <laughs> we have Mr. Peter Fan
1: in the house today peter how the hell are you going today i'm doing fantastic and it's funny that you said my full name peter fan because my nickname from high school has been peter pan i'm like uh <laughs> because i do magic as well oh, and so people yes. call me peter pan and like yeah it's just a name that's stuck and also people don't know how to pronounce fan they just say pan so really it can't yeah, be that hard i know P-H. yeah pe- people are, are dumb all right fair <laughs> okay. enough so why the hell is peter here today well
0: peter has quite and impressive skill set. And um, I think we'll begin firstly with how the hell we met. So, if I start, I think we met at Dodgeball. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's all I can know. Like, because I'm pretty sure we played Tuesday together. And then I just saw you on Imagine Dragons. That's your Dodgeball team. <laughs> and uh, do you remember what team I was on? Probably Cranky Kittens. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember. No. It was a blur. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but we met then and then we had quite a lot of common ground on a lot of the hobbies that we did so that's how we kind of started chatting together Peter's been working under Vin Zhang who is a keynote speaker I believe and before then he's got quite a history on how the hell he landed up in that role so let's start with how you got to that place mm. uh, in, in the first point after high school yeah you go to okay. uni?
1: yeah so in high school I <laughs> Not saying this is brag, but I got an ATAR of 95.4. All right, all right. Yeah, you know the exact number. Relax. You I know. just remember because I beat my best friend and he was way smarter than me. That's actually
0: you know. uh, more than double than what I got. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. Really?
1: Wow. <laughs> Mine that, was really bad, man. Uh, hey, you're doing podcasts now. That's way better than everyone else. All right, fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, no, I, I got that ATAR and I didn't know what I wanted to do in uni, but yep. I knew that like I'm in an Asian household and parents value a degree. Yep. And so I'm like, okay, what should I do? And I was actually going to go to Macquarie Uni, and I was going to do Bachelor of like Commerce and Psychology. Oh yeah, well Commerce and Science, and then major in Psychology. I was at Macquarie. We could have met. Yeah, but right. we didn't. No. And then I chose I chose uh, UCID because my friend was like, "Have you looked into the actual like you know UAC book and whatever? Like you can actually do what you want to do in UCID and you have the A type for it." So then I went to Uni, and um, yeah, I spent like four four years, like three and a half years in Uni. So quite a short degree. Uh, got my commerce degree. I dropped out of the, the science component. Mm. Yeah. But oh, man, that was such a, that was like 10 years ago now. Almost 10 years ago. That makes me feel old, man. No. Why do you have to say it like that? <laughs> uni wasn't that long ago. Didn't we just graduate? No, it wasn't 10 years. It was like, I started uni in 2015, finished in 2018 and a half. Yeah. I graduated in
0: 2019, mid 2019. Wait, that was four years ago.
1: Yeah, the I hell, think I we're the same age. We just, we just...
0: Yeah, but otherwise it seemed like uni wasn't that <laughs> far off. But I don't know, man. But commerce is a very big jump from what you're doing now. It, you wouldn't need a commerce degree to do what you're doing now.
1: No, not at all. All right, for context, Peter works in the media team. Yeah, so I'm part of Vin's, I guess, social media content editing team. So we produce all of the... Like all the content you've seen from Vinjeng, who's a I guess communication teacher, public speaker, and a magician is his other thing. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just I found myself editing for him. What can I say about him? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, your uni life. Oh right, okay. Let's let's, let's start with the uni. <laughs> yeah, life. let's go back. Okay. But
0: we'll we'll keep you guys on edge, and we'll get more into the, the the juicy details later on. But you you were doing commerce for a while. Was that more just Yeah, just for your parents mainly to to have a degree at least.
1: Yeah. So first year of uni, I chose commerce and it's just because I didn't know what else to do, but like I I hate fake environments and I felt that when I was doing commerce in the business school at UCID, there was a lot of people who I guess gave off that energy of like I'm better than you or I'm trying to beat you and compete with you to get into like one of the big four accounting firms. So still in a high
0: school mindset, I guess.
1: Yeah, just very like, I think like child's games. I don't know. I just didn't like that, and I felt like I couldn't be myself in uni. I felt that in order to advance, you had to put up a front and like fake who you are, and just fake this confidence. and And I just, I just felt really insecure about it. And um, I knew immediately, like after the first year, that I didn't mm-hmm. want to do commerce. I didn't want to work. I didn't want to wear a suit to work. <laughs> work like, for the big four.
0: Yeah, I did not want to P-WC,
1: work. PwC, EY, you know, yeah, those, those big companies. But I knew I wanted to do something different, and I felt like I've always been someone who's tried to take, like, the path less traveled. Oh, like yes, by Robert
0: Frost. That's a very good uh, English... Was it, was, it, was it a poem?
1: I have no idea that is. Oh, I just sh- said in English. So <laughs> I just said it in English as well.
0: But we studied some sort of poem that was like, uh, the, the path less traveled, and I don't know. Use it as a really good metaphor. Yeah. But anyway, it is a pretty common thought that does come up. But yes, mm. please continue. So you were doing that?
1: Yeah, and then um, I remember one of my most core experiences in uni, and I do not talk about this much to anyone, But in high school and everything, I was actually really confident because that was when I started doing magic. And we'll talk about the magic later. Mm. But that gave me a lot of self-esteem and confidence in who I was. And I'm like, I'm really good at this. I can blow people's minds and stuff. And then when I went into uni, I felt like life kind of changed. Like I I kind of, it was like like a whole new world, right? And I remember one time I was leaving a lecture room Mm. and uh, these two guys behind me, like they were pretty tall guys. They looked at me and, and I could hear them. And they were just like, Oh, there's some really short people in um what? in uni. Come on. And then man. I they thought they were whispering, but I could totally hear them. And I was just like, oh man, that now, now I feel shit. <laughs> I feel oh, really bad. Now. Come on, man. And so like this insecurity around my height yeah. came about. And for those of you who are listening, I'm like I'm I'm a pretty short guy. Like the, the camera frames me as like a normal height person, but <laughs> I'm like five foot one. And What's that um, in metric? I people always use five foot. Yeah, and stuff? it's like it's like a 152 in? centimeters or something. Right. Yeah. So, like, as an average, is, is very short in Australia. Okay. And that, like, hearing that, it kind of stunted my um, confidence a bit. Mm. So then I started to insecure in uni, and I remember looking up things, like, because, you know, in uni, you come out, you go to uni to get a job, right? Right. And hopefully you meet, like, someone that you love, and you, you know, they become your girlfriend and stuff. And those are the two things I kind of wanted. I'm like, oh, I want a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, I want a job. But then I started looking up statistics, and, like, the statistics kill me, man. They're like, oh the more inches you have on your height, the more money you make. Or like...
0: Where are you getting these numbers?
1: What studies well, like, these? Like these are actual like psychological studies. And no, we're just from like, what, damn. Daily Mail? No, but, from but. like actual association of psychology or some crap. <laughs> I swear these are like fake
0: sites or something. Yeah,
1: no, but like, but, but like these letters existed and I saw those numbers and they really affected my confidence because I'm like, man, how am I meant to get a girlfriend if I'm short? And like, you know, if I'm short, I want a girl who's shorter than me. <laughs> but then shorter girls like taller guys. I'm like, fuck, what am I meant to do? <laughs> um, and I, 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 even devised a plan that I'm like, okay, no one's going to reject me. I'm going to do commerce. I'm going to get a postgrad in like data science. Yeah. So I'm going to get a guaranteed like 200K job. And once I make that much money, it's like, okay, maybe then like a girl will like me. So yeah, my self-esteem was pretty low, man.
0: <laughs> no, it's interesting you say that because usually people's self-esteem, it's low in high school, but then in, in uni it's better because you're around a bunch of people you don't know. And then you can kind of create your own new identity of sorts with these people. So that's quite surprising that, well, maybe it's because of the way you're treated. Well, some people made those offhand comments during uni when usually people would act like that in high school. Mm. Yeah. But the people out there that are in high school or in uni now, at the end of the day, they don't matter. Like, who cares? What what are they doing now? You don't know who they are, right? Exactly. I
1: think people carry on that mentality. Um, And I think something that helped me to overcome that was... I was on social media a lot and I came across this guy named Gary V. I don't know if you know Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, a little bit. Yeah. He's like a marketer and content creator. And um, one thing he, he kept like talking about was like expose your insecurities or like talk about your insecurities or, you know, because if you put it out there, then people can't use it against you. So like every, mm. every time someone mentioned something about like my height, I was like, I always felt really like crap inside. But then moving forward, once I really got that message, I was like, oh. If I just, if someone says, oh, you're, you're really short. I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. Like it's really cool. Like my oh, my, my feet are really comfortable on the bus, on the plane. Like oh, that- there's so many benefits to like.
0: <laughs> you know what? That is true. I have been on flights with some tall friends and in the domestic flights, if everyone knows, if you're on Jetstar or something, mate, those seats suck. Uh, you know, as a tall guy, he was like basically nearly like squatting or like in the fetal position because he could barely fit his legs in. But then you look at, you know, myself I'm like 170, so it's it's okay for me. And Michelle, my girlfriend, she she's like maybe 10 centimeters shorter, and she was she was fine, just dangling her legs out, She's like oh, it's so comfortable. <laughs> but my mate's struggling because he's so tall. So yes,
1: yeah, man, th- that's a good way to put it. There are benefits to it. Yeah, and I remember this tall guy next to me. He was like he like not next to me, but he paid for like the, the extra leg room, mm. and it was so tall that it was still uncomfortable. So <laughs> yeah, this person can't do everything. But basically, from that message, I started to accept myself more. Mm. And also, did you watch Game of Thrones? Yes. Yeah, I was because during uni, I was watching a lot of Game of Thrones as well. And one of my favorite characters, Littlefinger. Oh my god! Oh, I know he's an evil. <laughs> he's, a he's a snake a, he's, bro. A, he's a very conniving guy. Yeah, but yeah. What, one message that I got from him, which really like shifted my perspective on things, is like the way he plays the Game of Thrones is he can't he can't beat people with a sword, but he can beat people with his mind. Mm-hmm. So if you allow me to swear, his quote was, I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to fuck them. <laughs> okay. And he's like, I'm not going to play their rules. I'm going to play my game. Yeah, And if I just focus on my game, then I know that I can win the Game of Thrones. And so the metaphor for me was to win the game of life. I'm not going to play the games of other people. I'm just going to focus on doing what I can do, like what's in my control, which is just working on my own abilities, like mm-hmm. improving my own strengths and just just not, like doubling down on who I am. And once I can accept that, and once I just work on that, then hopefully I can become so good that people can't ignore me. And I'm not chasing for people now. Like, i become so good that people want to chase me. (laughs) So that's kind of, like, the mentality that I had. And so, yeah, that was kind of my uni experience. After, like, the second and a half year, Mm -hmm. that was when I stopped caring a lot about... Yeah, I I just stopped caring about what other people thought about me. Like, I went through a phase of, like, minimalism. Like, I picked up... Because I used to kind of to, like... I used to counter for my height and make up for it in like the clothes that I wear and try yeah. to like dress to impress and stuff. But then there was a point where I just bought everything black, like from Uniqlo. Uniqlo is like my is my go to shop. I wear a black shirt, black pants every single day. Let my beard grow out. It looked so seedy, but now look at it. It's like it's it's a it's it's magical. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, okay, you're kind of calling me out because I think half my wardrobe's still black. <laughs> like,
1: it's just easier to
0: match with with
1: things. It is oh it's so easy, and like you don't have to think about it.
0: Your other point about focusing on your story. So it's just kind of like you were trying to impress other people's, uh, like their their stories because you, you kind of think of them as they're the main character. And then I'm thinking you're focusing on your own story to try and morph your own adventure in a sense, rather than trying to appeal for that one. Hmm. It's a weird way to put it. Sorry. I I kind of think in uh, gamified terms. <laughs> uh, uh, that makes with sense with everything. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good mindset that you're able to overcome that and just have a whole new mindset out of it just because of like one video you saw. On-
1: yeah, well it was it wasn't one, but it was it was many over time as well. And um yeah, just a combination of things helped me to like make my mindset a bit stronger. So you're saying this-
0: social media is good for you?
1: Oh, hey, I work in social media, so <laughs> it's actually, I'm trying to get off social media, but it's really hard, like, because I work in social media, but I'm yeah. trying, like, I've locked all my apps behind, like, passwords, and, like, yeah. I have to type in my app to find it, and I got to type in a password, so I've really added friction to the app, so I don't <laughs> go on it that much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but you, it, you need to look at it
0: to know what's, what's now in the market in exactly. terms of editing and yeah. what's cool. To know what's working. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you found a new sense of belonging and identity, Mm. Belonging was our topic in yeah. in English. The study. Too. So you, you you overcame that, and what what happened next? You found a new sense of confidence. You are now a, a sigma male walking down the hallways of university, <laughs> and you you loved yourself. What happened next?
1: Yeah. So that was when I was also working at Eclipse, and Eclipse is a board game store in Parramatta. And Liverpool it was because it's not there anymore. But mm. when I started. When I started uni, I also started working there because the guy who owns the store, his name's Phil, Phil Tran. And Phil is one of my best friends now. And uh, he hired me when I was like, yeah, just starting uni. And that was kind of like the first instance. Yeah, it was like my first instance of like doing what I love. Because bringing back to the magic that I used to do, um, I used to do that as a hobby. But then Mm -hmm. when I got hired, I was brought in to, I guess, show magic to customers. And help sell magic products and playing cards and things like that. I thought
0: it was just a board game store.
1: Yeah, it's it's a novelty store and a board game store. So they got board games, they got playing cards, puzzles and magic kits and science kits and all that stuff. Uh And um, when I was brought in, I was like, oh man, I'm already doing magic, but now I'm getting paid to do magic. Even though I was getting underpaid, like... (laughs) Oh yeah, it's a retail setting, so
0: it's probably like 20 bucks or something an
1: hour. Oh man, when I started, I was getting paid like 11 an hour.
0: Wait, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. (laughs) It was,
1: but hey... Um, the business isn't there anymore, and we're still best friends. And we've we've talked it. Is through. that his business? It was his business. Yeah, he owned the business.
0: Isn't it still in Parramatta?
1: No, nah, it's closed now. Oh, closed completely. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's being replaced by like some tea store or something. Oh, what? So what happened to all the stock. It's in his house right now, and he's selling it. Slowly selling it off. it's it's still a source of income, which is really cool. All right.
0: Well, let us know. Maybe he has a. Does he have a stock list? We'll let us know. Yeah. His. his, his uh,
1: shout out to Phil. He's still developing his website now. It should be released. Uh, by the end of 2023. Mm. So, um, if you need puzzles, if you need board games, card card games, anything like that, playing cards, hit up my boy Phil Tran. Uh, <laughs> I we'll send
0: and put a link in the description below. <laughs> yeah. So he's switching to e-commerce now. Is that the yeah, new thing?
1: e-commerce, which is the direction that. So he's still doing it, but he's still doing it, line. but it's less of a focus. It's just uh, an additional income towards um. What oh. he's trying to pursue more like content creation, and like yeah. just online entrepreneurship. So you mentioned before just then that you guys talked it out. What what
0: happened exactly here?
1: Honestly, like, because when I went to work with Phil, mm. even though it was, it was one of my first jobs, I never was toxic about how much I got paid because I always saw it as an opportunity to like, right. oh, this is this is my chance to, to like, I'm getting paid to do what I love. And Phil is, like, one of my best friends and he's been like that throughout the whole journey. Yeah. And Wait, he hasn't-
0: when, when did you first work together? Sorry, how long ago was yeah, this? Yeah, so that
1: was in 2015.
0: Damn, so nearly eight years now. Yeah, yeah.
1: 2015 to 2019 was, was my period when I worked with Phil at yeah. Eclipse. And uh, from there, that, that's when I moved on to my, my next job. But when I was working with Phil, yeah, we always saw each other as friends. And I think that's how we've been able to build, like to keep that relationship is because we're honest with each other. We, mm. we talk about things that make us uncomfortable and we just talk it out like friends. It was less of an employer-employee relationship. And Mm. I think that's really cool. I think it's really rare as well that you'd find. That is rare because
0: I figured you could be friends, but then there's still that level of, you know, this guy's my boss and he he pays my my salary. Wasn't there that sort of
1: dynamic a little bit? Yeah, there was. There definitely was. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, it's like we understood each other. Like I understand you're a small business, you're an Asian business owner. Mm. Uh, it's a struggle to run a business. It is. And as an Asian myself, I'm like, for, if I was hiring someone, I'd underpay them. too. You know.
0: <laughs> Cash in <laughs> hand, right? Yeah.
1: Wait, so that means
0: Phil was working since after high school, right? Yeah. He would have opened that business straight yeah, after. Yeah, so he
1: started the business when he was like 19 with the help of his mom because his mum ran a jewelry store. Mm. And that business was like his, his baby, basically, yeah. ever since he was like a teenager. Yeah, oh,
0: so he he probably should have done the commerce degree,
1: wouldn't yeah, that he did, have helped? He did do a bit of business and accounting, but he he went straight into the business. So and honestly, I don't I don't think you need degrees help, bro. It's it's <laughs> a, I think it's a bit
0: overrated. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, now I'm like forty grand in debt, I'm yeah. still yet to pay it off.
1: Yeah, but like the one thing because I, I I'm pretty sure we did the same degree actually. Because I did I majored in business analytics and information systems, but yours was commerce. Yeah, commerce. Oh, but mine was IT But the oh, same really? major. Oh, that's so interesting! Wait, didn't you know I did IT? I thought you did business for some reason because I heard you that in the podcast that you majored in business
0: analysis two. and info systems. For, yeah, yeah, IT. Yeah, so no, I did. I, I
1: did that same those same majors.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So we have the same foundations in, in, in a sense.
1: Yeah, and I think the benefit of doing those because I'm like, man, I don't want to do corporate finance or I don't want to do accounting. Yeah. Like I thought information systems was interesting because. Like you learn about systems and processes and I, I think I have a systems mindset. Right. And then analytics, business analytics, because you're learning about like supply chain. And and you talk to people more.
0: Mm. And I think being in the back end of things where you're just working on spreadsheets all day is not too great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: During, uh, during uni, I started to get into like video editing mm. and production and that kind of stuff. Because I, I wanted to make travel videos. My first travel video that I made was when I went to Germany in 2016. So me and Phil from Eclipse, we went to a convention in Germany called cardistry con mm. and cardistry is basically like juggling with playing cards. It's like oh, flourishing scene, with playing cards. Yeah. It's not like doing magic tricks, but it's like making, showcasing, showcasing like the flair of yeah. playing cards. So we traveled there and that's when I made my first travel video. And I'm like, Oh, I love making travel videos. It's so fun. Everyone loves it, right? You, I know. I yeah. think
0: for people that go on holidays and haven't done it yet, you should really give it a go. But I think the hard part is you know doing all the recording, but you get a bit of an itch of it once you do it for the first time, I'd say. And it, I, I think it's more fun to look at rather than just photos. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to diss photos, all right? <laughs> photos are always good for a, for a holiday, but the video just makes it just a little touch nicer. Yeah, and it brings it to life a little bit. Yeah, and you can attach a song to it. And then every time I hear the song on my playlist, I'm like, oh, man, this just takes me back to
1: my holiday. Yeah, all those memories flood in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All
0: right, so give it a go. Try and do some editing. You Know there's yeah. a lot of free apps out there. What would you recommend?
1: Oh, actually, my god. editing if you're using a computer, use Premiere Pro or Final Cut.
0: All oh, right, something free, maybe. Uh, free,
1: the- <laughs> uh, CapCut. Oh my god, CapCut is trending at the moment on TikTok and all social media. Yeah, like people are making epic videos just from CapCut, just
0: on their phone. All right, we'll check that out.
1: What about Mac? Mac iMovie, right? iMovie is the free one, yeah. yeah. And you can make something on iMovie. iMovie yeah. is
0: actually pretty powerful, anyway.
1: Yeah, so do that and even just
0: record on your phone, like you don't need like a GoPro or a vlogging camera necessarily, just use your phone. It's actually a very nice camera to use these days, Mm. but make sure you film in horizontal. Don't do it (laughs) vertically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Film in horizontal. That's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Continuing on. Yes. Yeah. We went traveling. I want, I made the travel video and I'm like, I love making travel videos. I want to do more video editing and um, actually, yeah, I got into video editing because I wanted to recreate the, um, uh, the Harry Potter invisibility cloak effect. Back in the day. Like, that's what really got me into it. Cause I love magic, right? Yeah. And then I saw Harry Potter. I'm like, oh, wow, I want to create that. But to do that, you need like a green screen. And I only had a green shirt. And I'm like, <laughs> I can only make myself, like my top body invisible. Um, so, so that was cool.
0: You could have gone to a, uh, like one of those, like a fabric cl- store, like yeah, Spotlight like or, like or something. The ones you <laughs> see in camera, and you just buy a big green one and you just like throw it over yourself or something. Yeah.
1: But anyway, I soon realized that traveling is really expensive. And I'm, I'm like in uni, like I'm just leaving uni. Yeah, Yeah. Um, no income no income. And so I still wanted to use those skills. And during uni, when there was like video projects, mm. like assignments, oh, I crushed those. <laughs> oh, and, okay. Yeah, I had like proper audio, proper video. And I looked at other people's projects when they played on screen. And I'm like, man, that's so bad. Oh, come <laughs> on. How, how
0: humble of you, bro.
1: <laughs> no, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I just, but I loved it. Like I was passionate about it. And when I saw it, I'm like, damn, like I want to do more of it. And so when I finished uni, I knew I didn't want to work at a corporate firm. I like the idea of either working for myself or working for a small like a startup.
0: Wait, hold on. Why does your degree have video editing in there?
1: It's not. It's it's just like a video project. It was for business analytics too.
0: Was it like a like a elective or is this just? No, it was actually. A uh, I think it was
1: an elective, but it was to create a video showcasing like the quadrangle at UCID. Oh, interesting. Yeah. On YouTube, it's got like six like six hundred views or something. All right, I got to see this <laughs> after.
0: Maybe we'll link it maybe, and, uh, on the bottom. But yes, sorry.
1: Yeah, sorry. so then realized traveling was expensive. I uh, wanted to continue it. Mm-hmm. So I started applying for like startups and because I, I knew that like in a startup, you can, like there's less people and mm-hmm. you can make more impact um, from just being, because if you're in a massive company, I find it's hard like to- the big four? Yeah, I find it's hard to really sh- demonstrate what impact you have. Um, so I signed up to a few startups. I won't go through too much of them, but I worked through like this property management, Airbnb property management, which was a disaster. Um, well, it was it a
0: disaster? Because
1: I signed up. I, I was employed as it was like part time as well. Because I did that and uni. Yeah, yeah. But it was a disaster because I started in like digital insights, which is like related to business analytics a little okay. bit. Okay. And then because I was like you know adjusting the prices of properties and stuff, and mm. this this company would manage rentals for the host, so that they wouldn't have to manage the rentals, like doing all the furnishing and stuff. But I moved over to the like the sales kind of team. Yeah. And um, there was just so much unethical stuff. One example was this family moved into this Airbnb in Melbourne, mm. and in that property, what the, the time that they arrived to check in, everything was a mess, and they wanted to like you know organize someone to come and clean the property. Yeah, and I just remember my boss was saying, oh just just tell them like you know just give them a partial refund and see if they can do it. And this was like an Asian family traveling to Australia for the first time, uh, and they really wanted to bad. have a good time. And I'm just like, sorry, this is all I can do. This is what my boss says, whatever. Wait, they're
0: all, so they're traveling. They were they went moving. Right? Yeah, they were just traveling. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, I couldn't sort out anything. And they're like, oh, if we tried to book another hotel. We couldn't come back here. And it's just uh, it's a disaster for them. And I'm just like, sorry, no refunds. Can't do anything. Oh, man. That was one case. That was that case. pain me to say. I just felt so bad for the Asian family. And then another case, and this was one that kind of tipped me over the edge yeah. to quit, was... This woman had like mold in the apartment mm. like in the Airbnb that she wanted to get cleaned. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, can I get a refund? Because I don't want to stay in a place where there's black mold. I could get sick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I gave her the refund because my manager told me to. But then the big boss was like, why did you give her a refund? You know, she's lying about the mold. You know, just buy her a wine bottle. and I'm going to call it even. whatever." <laughs> what the fuck? And I'm just like, bro, you guys are so unethical. I'm going to leave. So I ended up moving on from that place. Yeah. Is that still existing? No, nah, it doesn't exist anymore. Gladly. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that earned a lot of money to people.
0: Yeah, so they shut down and then you, were you a vagabond for some time or did you immediately jump to the next job?
1: No, at that time, yeah, I was always working. I always had some safety nets. Like I was working at Eclipse always until- like
0: oh, oh, in between, you were, you were doing like two like jobs. Eclipse,
1: startup and, and uni. uni. Yeah. Oh, man,
0: that's full on.
1: Yeah, so I was doing like three days here, three days here, two days here. Yeah. um, And after that, I moved to a startup called Me and You. Me and you is kind of like a tap and pay at restaurants. That's,
0: that's really familiar.
1: Wait, don't they still exist now? They do, they do, yeah. It's made by the guy named Stephen Prunuko. He founded The Fork. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, which uh, is like what, a reservations what, app. Reservations, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. when I was there, I was doing a bit of like, I was doing lead calling and cold calling. Mm. So I, I dealt with, I learned how to develop more thick skin, like calling, like... Call
0: sales type kind of thing, right? And yeah, just just, like- I was
1: calling up restaurants to try and learn... Um, you know, what pause system are they using, which will give us insights into like how to develop this app better. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. But eventually, because uh, I was an unpaid intern. Oh God. Yeah. Which uh, anyone who's done unpaid internships, they're not very, um, uh, there's not, it's not a really good trade of time and services. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, you'd hope you get at least some level of experience, but I guess you were really just making the money at this stage.
1: Yeah. I was just doing free work, but then eventually I'm like, I want to get paid for this. And I had my camera with me. Yeah. And because we do, like, food photography and stuff as part of that business, mm. I, I jumped on and I'm like, I can help take photos of wine bottles and food and stuff. Because oh. they go around to, to places to take photos of food so they could go on the app. Yeah, and, yeah. We're, and were the photos
0: not up to high standard? Is that why?
1: No, the photos were pretty good. And as a result, I'm like, she's like, oh, you should charge for this. Like, we'll, we'll pay you to do photography. So I was, like, the first unpaid intern that got paid. <laughs> That's not unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I got paid for an invoice for it. But yeah, eventually from there, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. So, and I was really into video editing and that's when I started to yeah. look on like Seek or Indeed and stuff mm. for like a new video editing role. And that's how I moved on to Cowan um, to Ray. <laughs> Who oh is Cowan th- Ray?
0: Please uh, elaborate for our listeners and even for me, because I mm. didn't really understand hundred percent. Yeah. So I
1: didn't, I didn't know about him, but he's just essentially, he's like a high performance coach, business coach in Australia, and he helps business owners scale the business but I signed up because what I found unique about it is at that point, I was already really into like personal development and just like improving myself and getting better mm. with my skills. And I saw like, oh, I'd love to video edit for this guy whilst I learn, you know, high performance and business and mindset and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, you, you, so you're so you kind of like
0: half getting experience and half just kind of leeching his resources, <laughs> his, his courses
1: for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, cause the thing is you get to edit. Things that people pay for. People pay like four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars to ah. come to these live events over three days. Yeah. And my job is to scour through all of that content, find the best parts, and just, just like you know, edit it, put it up on social media. Yeah. But the benefit for me is, I absorb all that knowledge like through <laughs> osmosis. Yeah. Well, that's a smart
0: uh, bargain tip. So don't pay for the course; just work under them, yeah. and then leave after you get all the content.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't my plan, but it's it's it's. Like when you learn through osmosis, you also, um, yeah, you can get a lot out of it. And I thought thought that was cool because I found that the theme in my life up to that point was like, oh, I like this and then I'm getting paid for it. So it's kind of like I'm getting paid to do what I love. So I always saw it as like a fair exchange, even though the money, sometimes the money, especially when you hear this myth of like, oh, when you do what you love, you might not get paid as much. Mm -hmm. But I feel like at the start, that's somewhat true because you're training, like you might be getting less money, but you're getting more knowledge. And also there's
0: the saying of if you, you do what you love for work, eventually that will kind of burn out your passion. Yeah. So have you ever run into that? I have.
1: All? Yeah. And that, that happened when with, with magic, cause I'd been doing magic for like 10 years.
0: Yeah. So why, why didn't you pursue that any further?
1: Because I tried to monetize it. So I remember during a time where I'm like, Oh, I'm so good at magic. I want to get a business card. I want to start doing gigs and stuff. Mm. First gig me and Phil did together, we got paid $300 cash to do like a- Each or- each. Oh, nice. Yeah, to do like a, a, a like a birthday party. Yeah. For like this really wealthy guy. <laughs> and then moving on from there, I'm like, oh, okay, I want to do some more gigs. Um, wait, did did, it, wait, did it go well? It went well, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so that's why we got paid. Yeah. You were
0: kind of saying in like a slow turn, I thought you were like, oh, it was a disaster, right? And that's why we just, we stopped doing it. We didn't talk anymore.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, it went well. And I'm like, oh, I could do this more. Like pitch myself more, do more gigs. But the thing that I sucked at for Mm. magic was I was good technically, but I wasn't good with my showmanship and showmanship is essentially like your ability to perform and present um, and like tell a story about what you're doing and stuff. It just really helps to sell the illusion more. So when I started to do more gigs, I'm like, Oh, I'm not really liking it. Like I'm monetizing what I'm doing, but now I feel like I'm doing it more for the money Yeah, and something that was a passion internally. I've, I've put it now. It's like external as money. And for me to, like, do my magic. It's, like, it's not out of... It's not birthed out of love and fun for it anymore. Mm. It's more to, like, get the money. And so that kind of turned me off the magic route. So I, still, I still do it now, but it's more as, like, a hobby. Because you... you I, I've seen some of your clips. You ha- you still kind
0: of do it for fun at, like, parties just for friends and stuff. But do you still practice it a little? Is that least to... I
1: still do sometimes. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing video editing. While, while it's exporting, I'll, I'll play with my cards a little bit. Oh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, my hands just need to... I'm, I'm like, I need my hands fidget to fidget spinner, you need one. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I used to sell so many of those to kids. <laughs> Good Adiquips. profit margin, eh? Yeah.
0: I think you get them for like a few cents from Alibaba or something.
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't think they're worth it anymore though because like we have so much, like when I was working with Phil, we have so much excess now because it was it was one of those fads that came along. Yeah, and then it just died oh, It off. just died. But can you
0: reveal the profit margin on those? I'm assuming they're quite high. It's like yeah, you probably,
1: yeah, get them super cheap. I remember in one day we made like, 16k or not 16k maybe like 6k or something selling them for like 30 dollars 15 to 30 dollars maybe five to 30 dollars oh. depending on the style yeah of the yeah the, the look on it some of them have rainbows some of them are like so stupid. spiky so tough. <laughs> did you ever get them i
0: have a bit of a collection in my drawers but <laughs> i'm like why did i buy this landfill <laughs> waste
1: that's hilarious
0: yeah well now that you mentioned some of the interesting parts of Working and running like a board game magic business. Was there anything interesting that you got out of it, or maybe something that you can reveal to us that might be interesting?
1: Like Like, magic trick wise, or like just Just in general?
0: What's it like? Yeah, what what, what was the main lesson after working in a retail space like that? Would you ever recommend it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Off (laughs) camera. Yeah, retail. I love retail, it's the best. <laughs> now nah, retail taught me a lot. Like people are stupid. Yeah, sometimes customers like there's so many stories of crappy customers. But like what what we learn from it is you learn how to develop thicker skin. Is mm. you learn how to stand your ground. And when customers are being rude, yeah, it's just like end of the day. It's like you know who are you? You know get mm, out of here. That's <laughs> <all> right. <laughs> you know so they're like they're never like, going to see you again. <laughs>
0: they're like the uni kids that you bumped into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Retail is a good stepping stone. To get those skills yeah.
1: yeah for sure i think everyone once in their life has to do a bit of retail or get exposed to that world even retail, even retail a, and hospital yeah retail i feel like hospital is worse maybe yeah, I don't mean, is, what do you reckon it's pretty bad have you done hospital
0: yeah i worked in fast food okay if that counts i mean what fast food it's in hungry jacks so i was in kfc for a bit i worked in a sushi restaurant once delivering food Okay. Um, that
1: was a lot of fast food experience, bro.
0: Yeah. It was during uni times. It was, it was very easy to get in. So.
1: Did you ever eat the fast food while you are working? Of course. <laughs> was it was it theft? <laughs> no, it's taste testing to see if it's good yeah, for the customers. Yeah, I, mean, right?
0: I I guess we should stand record. No, I never ate food while I was on shift. <laughs> Only if I paid for it, which I always did. I always paid for my food. Because we get a sizable 20% discount. Why would I steal food? Okay. It's a terrible thing to do. That's. Yeah. So whatever totally food you that. saw me eating on the camera, I paid for it completely. <laughs> but Yeah. I suppose um, I'd say they they both have their their own lessons that you'll learn. Mm. A lot of time management. Retail is more just yeah dealing with stupid people that yeah. make the same jokes of hey there's no price tag on this board game <laughs> is it free oh this is crazy uh,
1: <laughs> yeah but I definitely don't think it's a waste of time like you might look at it as like oh it was this is really shit period of my life but. I feel like for anyone who does it, like, it's such a good experience to just learn how to talk to people, deal with people. Yes, so much you can learn from it. And I still take those skills with me today, you know, yeah, dealing sure. with rejection, trying to sell, that's such a big one. You know?
0: well, the sales was more on the other job, right?
1: Well, it was at Eclipse too, like, selling people board games. Like, oh, huh. I'd I like to recommend you this one or this one. And you know, what kind of game do you want to play? Role playing, like, more strategy, stuff like that, so... Develop a bit of sales skills there. Yeah, but I'm not a salesperson. Like, yeah, I'm not that good at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it seems like you would have developed some skills from all the other roles that you're in as well. Yeah, for sure. From me and you, and you were doing well, selling POS systems, Is that how uh, it works?
1: like that. Just just gathering data for for the actual app.
0: You're getting free surveys. That's what you're doing.
1: Yeah, basically. You just called them to yeah. ask questions. And d- like the funniest thing was like the first time I tried, I'm like, oh hey, what um what POS system are you using? And they're just like, hang up. But then eventually I'm like, oh, okay, I need to come up with a story. So the story I always came up with was, uh, oh, hey, um, my dad and I are looking to start a cafe in Sydney. You know, we're looking at different POS system options. Uh, what are you using? We'd just love to know just to get an idea. Yeah. And then a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, we're using, um, you know, ePOS or whatever. Oh. And some people are like, really? You're going to start a cafe in Sydney? That's that's like suicide. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> i like, well, yeah, you're probably right. It's really competitive. It's <laughs> like no profit margins. That's right. <laughs> well, interesting. that would give you feedback like that.
0: Yeah, but you would be calling other cafes.
1: Yeah, just cafes around different areas of Sydney, just to get a feel for. Oh,
0: no, they wouldn't think of that as like, oh, it's competition. I'm not telling you what I use. Yeah, did that come up?
1: I don't know, because like, they're not. They don't work for the posh company, right? So it's just like, All right, yes. so, some people just feel really secretive about stuff. So and some people are busy too. Yeah, yeah, okay. So they're like in the middle of like cooking a steak, and they're like, "What the fuck what do you?" <laughs> I don't care, bro.
0: <laughs> use whatever, bro. First thing on Google. <laughs>
1: Working under Corwin
0: Way, back to that. Yes. You were doing his video editing. Were were those just mainly like shorts or did you do like full video recap?
1: Yeah, like at the time, my video editing skills were kind of okay. But when I jumped in, that's where I learned the majority of my video editing skills. And what I mainly edited was what you see on social media now, which was more like short form content. Except it wasn't in the same form as what you see now, which is very like vertical
0: no, like I entertaining
1: hate, that hate vertical. very like ADHD kind of style, like quick yep. pace cutting.
0: No silence.
1: You're, <laughs> no, you're no There's no breathing. Unless you, well, you lose attention. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so I, I edited those kind of videos, edited YouTube videos. And um, I learned so many skills from there. Like that's where I attribute a lot of my editing skills now. So that
0: built the foundation. How long were you working under him?
1: For, so from 2019 till 2022, end of 2022. The end of last year was when I finished.
0: Wait, that's really not that long ago. Yes,
1: yeah, so it's about three years. How would you even land
0: the gig, actually? I don't think you even covered that.
1: Yeah, so... You, you found his
0: content and you... it Applied for the job. your life and you're like, hey, I want to work under this guy.
1: Yeah, I applied for the job and I'm like, I, th- I, f- I feel like this is my dream job. I feel like this is my dream job because I like, I like video editing. And so I got, I got to the interview... And the interviewer, his name is Matthias. He's one of my one of my best friends. Shout out to Matthias. We're friends for like six years now, and he was my interviewer. And because uh, they already had three video editors, like the team was pretty big. Three mm. video editors already. They're hiring three more video editors, and so six video editors in total. And out of the three that were being interviewed, I was the least skilled. Yeah, I was. Well, I wasn't really good at what I did compared well, to the other ones. Because uh, Matthias told me after. Like, after a few oh, years. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> kind of <laughs> roasted you on that. <laughs> Why do they need so many video editors?
1: Because, like, this guy's doing events everywhere. Every producing day. content at scale. Yeah. Like, this is when they're like, we're going to grow. We're going to push out a lot of content oh. onto social media. So, they need more people to edit content, right? Because yeah. editing is a very lengthy process. It takes a lot of time. It is. So, then, when he hired me, he's like... Like, I wasn't the most skilled, but I had a lot of will. Like, I really wanted to get in into the job. Mm. really wanted to... um I was just really passionate and I think that's what helped get me through. But I remember he asked me one question. One question he asked me was like, where do you see yourself in five years? Like the, the typical the, the, question. Yes. And my, my answer was, I want to be working for myself or freelancing or either still doing this. And so that was kind of my, my five-year goal from that Coen Ray point, which is kind of where I am now less you than five years later. That. So yeah, I achieved that, in which less is really the amount cool. Of time. Yeah. But we'll get there later. <laughs>
0: yeah. No conflict of interest for him being the interviewer?
1: No because the thing i like i think the thing i found really strong about that organization was that the people are very heart-centered like mm. it's not just about making money it's like making money isn't the goal making money is the Oops, one of the goals it's one of the goals but it's as it's a result of doing what we do really well and helping a lot of people and then the money comes from that so mm. that really shifted my mindset to like oh, okay these guys aren't money hungry corporations just trying to steal money from people like evangelists on TV. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen that, but is that like... It's like those guys that look at the camera and they're like, all right,
0: you will tithe and send me $10,000 and get rid of the demons hiding inside uh-huh. you. And they just
1: boom, boom, boom. Are you talking like exorcists? Exorcists? Kind of. Exorcist? If you've looked at... They're um, trying to get the demons out of people? I don't
0: know if you've seen the ones on TV or on YouTube videos where they actually go in person and then they actually like just start grabbing people and like shaking and <laughs> using the mic like... I expel this demon out of you. And they're just <laughs> screaming at him. And everyone's just like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a weird cold <laughs> thing. Is it the? Yeah, it feels very theatrical. Very theatrical. There's uh, one guy who's uh, very big TV. Let me find his name. So there's a guy called Kenneth Copeland. And he's like... So he's the guy that's taking like shaking people up? Kind of. He scams a lot of vulnerable people. Yeah. And we're going a bit of a sidetrack here. But man, if you've seen videos of him, he actually looks like someone who's possessed or something. His eyes are just very freaky. <laughs> I don't know. But that's, some other, that's a whole
1: other thing. But it's good that at least what you're
0: working for is ethical and not something like that.
1: Yeah, I that's think, my point. I think I had a good gut feel of who I work for mm. and who I choose to spend my time with. Because, yeah, I like during uni, I heard a lot about like, yeah, like working nine to five, working for like big corporations that, you know, I just didn't like that lifestyle.
0: It's a bit soulless. You think? Yeah. Or like
1: you're a... More of a cog in
0: the wheel, you don't really do too much.
1: Yeah, I I just didn't want to feel like I wasn't having an impact. But I felt this team was—it was—it was was big, but it was like a medium-sized business. But I felt like through posting content on social media, seeing people's comments on the videos, being like, "Wow, this video changed my life," even though Uh I didn't directly impact their life through this, like through Cohen's words. Yeah, I still made an impact because I shared his message. In and a
0: digestible format.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, And that's that's an editor's job is to condense like a three minute, like a seven minute message to like a one minute video that's consumable on social media that gets picked up by the algorithms to actually go in front of people's faces. Yeah. Uh, Wait, those,
0: you, those clips are actually like five to 10 minutes long that, yeah. you, that you shave down. I, I figured they were maybe like two minutes or something and you're just cutting down to make it a little bit nicer. Sometimes
1: it is, but like recently working with Vin, like I, I cut down a seven minute clip down to like, like fifty seconds, and it's. <laughs> I think that's the really good skill of an, like a good editor is you're able to cut out the fluff and still deliver the same message in a really short period of time and make it better.
0: Damn, that's the way to put it.
1: And, and like it's, it's a really, it's really hard skill. A lot of editors think that like to get an editing editing job, you just need to put captions on a video and that's it. But I think there's a lot more to it.
0: Yeah, now I've picked that up as well. If you've seen some of my reels that I've amateurly edited. I do look at other reels that are out there and I compare them and see what are they doing? And it's a lot more complicated than you might think. So yeah. I do agree.
1: And it's, it's something that like you don't see cause you only see the final product, but you probably don't see all the fluff that's been cut out, which is like, yeah, you, it's just what the editor sees. Right.
0: I would compare it to something like if you were to play a song and one person's just a regular listener and the other person's a DJ and then they can hear, Oh, can hear the synth in the background or something or like there's an extra beat added here it's the same thing if you watch an edited video and we would see like oh he's cutting this bit out they're doing zoom ins between like certain words because they're cutting out silences in between and they don't want to make exactly. it too jarring when they see the the frame that gets cut out so you, you do pick up a lot of little things uh, after you yeah,
1: learn those skills. And I feel like you can. I feel like you're a good editor if you know that stuff. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's, that's literally all I do. Like hide the silence, like hide the cuts with the zoom in, just to make it less jarring. Focus on the eye tracking, so it's yeah. not like so you, you you didn't follow the eyes everywhere. You know? That's
0: right. Yeah, because that's the first thing people look at. So yeah. Interesting. So I'm actually quite flattered that you uh, you think I can edit a little bit because <laughs> I've picked up those skills.
1: Yeah, like it's not too hard, but it's just understanding the psychology of how people consume something, right? And you just want to make it, like, you want to package it in a consumable way.
0: So you worked there for three years, and what made you want to jump to, well, was there even a break in between when you moved from? Uh, it's weird, I never, three?
1: yeah, like, I never have, I, I don't think I've ever had, like, a like a solid break. It's more like a transition period. So I've, I started to feel, like, and working at Cohen was awesome because I got to travel, like, my first year I got to travel to Hawaii.
0: That's so nice.
1: Yeah, and we did an event there, and that was, like, the most magical trip. All expenses paid? All expenses paid. Oh, yeah. All taxis, man. all, like, most food. Food,
0: drinks, yeah.
1: It was really cool. How long was that trip? And that was, that, that was like, a, a week trip. Event was five days, and the, the trip was, like, maybe, like, eight days. I think I stayed there for a bit of holidays as well, because I was there with my, and, like, I, I flew there for work, but then my ex at the time um, flew in as well. Yeah. And then we just spent, like, an extra, like, five days. Oh, that's nice, yeah. Additional Driving around on the right side of the road was so scary. It's weird. <laughs> eh? yeah. I don't
0: know how you would, for all our American listeners, all right, you guys sit on the left side, which is up our um, passenger side. Yeah. And you drive on the other
1: side of the road. And yeah, it's. how long did it take for you to get used to that? I'd be scared, honestly. Oh, dude. I was like, we were driving on, like, it's cool because in, in Hawaii, like Honolulu, I think that was the country we're in, like the, yeah. the island we're on. You could drive from bottom to top, from Waikiki to like the north of the island in like 50 minutes. Oh, shit. It's like driving to the city here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Sydney. So uh, Are the roads busy though? Like they are busy towards the city, but then once you get onto like the, the like near the beaches and stuff, it's like less busy. But driving in the city, oh man, I was so I was, you're scared. <laughs> I was so scared. Because <laughs> like you, you you naturally veer one side yeah, yeah, or whatever, right? But then you're like, oh, you know, there's traffic the other, on the side. On or, the other lane. Yeah, pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, that was, it was really fun. But then I started to transition because I've always, so like Vin Zheng, I've always wanted to work with him because I'm like, I used to do magic. He used to teach magic when I was younger and I used to follow him online. He taught you
0: magic? Oh, you like,
1: you'd yeah, watch he his used, content? Yeah, he used to make YouTube videos on, on social media, yeah. on YouTube. Um, back when I was like in 20, like 2010.
0: How'd you come across his content? That was a while ago.
1: Yeah. So he, he used to do magic full time. Yeah. Teach magic online. That's how I first heard of him. I'm like, oh, he's Asian. He's Vietnamese. He's um, from Oz. He's from Australia. Really cool guy. Mm. And then halfway through like 2015 or something, I think he, he made a transition in his career. So he stopped doing magic and he started doing keynote speaking. And that's why I, I kind of like lost him for a bit because I didn't really see his content on magic anymore. Yeah. And then one of the core messages that he says is that, you know, you could be a 10 out of 10 with your technical skills, but if you're a three out of 10 with your communication skills, will people see you as a 10 out of 10 or a three out of 10?
0: You can't average the two?
1: <laughs> it's fine. That <laughs> uh, it seems all right. Yeah. It's a pass. And then his point was like, you know, you're only as good as you can communicate. And a good point. that kind of hit me because I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm good at what I do, but I just don't know how to communicate it that well. And mm-hmm. so once that once that message landed, I'm like, I really want to go to one of his workshops and I want to just learn more from him and just be like, you know, you've been a mentor of mine since when I was when I started doing magic. I want to learn communication skills from you. Mm. And so during COVID in 2020, I did one of his virtual masterclasses. Yeah. Still, when I was working at Coen Ray, I kind of invested in my own communication skills, did his masterclass, got to talk to him for the first time. And I was like, I've been following you for so long. Like, you know, thanks for all this value you've been giving me. Yeah. Um. This past, you know, five days was really awesome. And from there, I'm like, okay, like... I would love to edit for this guy. <laughs> How do you angle
0: that in? It's like, he would probably hear that a lot. You know, I've, you know, I've been following you
1: for like X amount of years. Yeah. So I think to me, I, like to him, maybe I was just like, you know, a magic fan and yeah, another, done his workshop and yeah. stuff. But then in 2021 20, during dodgeball, like I was in um Melbourne for, uh, for dodgeball. Mm. And uh, before that, I reached out to him on Instagram. Cause I had to do a, I had to introduce my boss. Like I had to introduce go into the stage just for like an, an annual, Conference. That oh, we you did. were still working. Under, I was still yeah, working at, yeah. at KR, and uh I wanted. I, mess, I sent him a voice message to ask him for some tips on like, oh, how can this is my first public speaking engagement? Just to like introduce my boss for like five minutes to the stage. Uh, any tips? And gave me the tips. Did it like did it, I just I smashed that that the intro, which is awesome. And then after that, I reached out to him to Vin again. I was like, oh, it went well. And I was like, hey man, like if you need anyone to edit for you, like. Like, I'd love to support what you do. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan of what you do. I believe in your message. Like, I'd love to edit for you for free. Just give you some free value, whatever. And he's like, oh, look, that's really cool that the opportunities that, like, that, you know, you're here. Um, Unfortunately, it's not the right time, but I'll keep it in mind. And so a year later, which was 2022, mm. he reached out to me and he was like, I'm looking for an editor for my team and you're the first person who who comes to mind Um, because, you know, we've connected, you've done my workshop, blah, blah, blah.
0: At time. Speaking
1: of magic, don't
0: you think memories are quite magical, Peter?
1: Yeah, Tong, I love having memories of events such as weddings and birthdays and engagement parties and, and more. Digital photos are magical, but physical photo prints just have that extra
0: cherry on top.
1: Wow, Tong, if only there was some way we could get physical photo prints while we're at a wedding or birthday or engagement party or ex- etc.
0: I have just the company, as per my script here, Son of a Booth. Well, What did you just call me? No, Peter, Son of a Booth, a company that brings a photo booth to you with a professional DSLR camera and studio lighting.
1: Do they have like fun props and, you know, to suit any occasion and give unlimited sessions and multiple prints? Yes, Peter. With our listeners, you can get
0: 15% off if you quote Rice and Mike's in your booking. Details are in the episode description below.
1: Cheers, song, I can't wait to have a discounted photo booth at my etc. engagement party, birthday or wedding. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) No worries. And now, back to the episode. (laughs) Nice. He even responded to you
0: after the masterclass when you're asking for tips. So he he even still replies to people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still replies to a lot of people. Like through the the DMs.
0: Through DMs still, even just... Because for context, Vin has like 2.2 million followers on Instagram. Yep. And at that grade, I'm assuming you're gonna get like hundreds and hundreds of DMs yeah. every day. I'm surprised he, you know, has takes the time out to respond yeah. to people.
1: Yeah, well back then it was a lot less. Um, would, yeah, I'd assume. There was, was a lot, lot less and he still had a smaller community. Yeah. So I guess replying to me was okay.
0: How about now? Do you think how now? Now,
1: now in, in Instagram DMs, if you have like a business account, you'll see that there's like a primary tab, a general yeah, and tab a general. and like requests. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he only responds to like the, the primary tabs because yeah, it's yeah. the most relevant to him yeah uh, everyone else is just like you know oh you're so cool or like <laughs> i don't know just like toxic comments yeah okay let <laughs> lesbian be haircut i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's probably his funniest insult that he has a lesbian haircut <laughs> yeah uh, anyway continue. Yeah, anyway interesting interesting
0: um insult
1: <laughs> anyway yeah so after after he's like he reached out to you reached out to me and he's like let's let's have an interview like let's just jump on a call let me get to know you better Um, First call we did, lasted about, you know, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Told him my skills, told him what I could do. And immediately he's like, all right, I haven't done many calls, but I'm going to hire you. That was quick. Yeah. Like straight after. Put a lot of faith
0: in me. Straight after, he's just like, that's it.
1: Yeah. So, because I was working for Cohen full-time. Yeah. And then for Vin, um, I'm like, okay, if if Vin says yes, I'm going to move from Cohen to part-time and I'm going to do part-time Vin. Yeah. So, three days Cohen, three days Vin, other day freelancing whatever and seven days a week yeah working <laughs> yeah that's that's why i said two years ago i'm like i was working a lot harder than i am now <laughs> because i was like trying to get these trying to get these gigs yeah um and eventually i knew that i wanted to work with vin more mm. and so i i started to phase out with Kerbin, and i was just like um i've learned a lot thanks for thanks for everything but i feel like i'm, I'm reaching a ceiling now yeah and i want to grow more in another field, in another area. So like I've I smoothed my transition out. It wasn't like a hard cut, bye bye, no bad feelings or anything. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a mutual thing. Yeah. Eventually people need to progress.
1: Yeah. Reached the ceiling. And then I knew like whatever I've been doing for Kirwan, I've been doing it pretty well. Like I remember when I started his TikTok account. I grew it from like zero to like one mil in like nine months. Damn. Yeah. Just just mile. from repurposing content, just from doing more of the short style yeah. thing. Yeah, so that was really, I don't think it was nine months, maybe. I started in 2019 in October, and then by like 2020, yeah, it was like less than 12 months that we got up to a million followers.
0: That's impressive. But, but you weren't the sole editor. I mean, there was a team of other people making content, right?
1: There was, TikTok? but I was in charge of TikTok. Oh, like I was the platform okay. Owner for the for, director. Yeah, just kind of like the platform manager Yeah, for, for TikTok for Cohen. And then just knowing the skills that I have, I'm like, oh, I, I could totally grow Vin. He's very similar. He's got a he's got a backlog of like years of content, footage yeah. that hasn't really reached out, like been on social media. I know how to optimize that content. I know how to package it. I know how to like grow you on social media. Oh. So, so I guess that's how I sold you him. You leveraged that to him, right? Yeah. I guess that's how, well, that's what I told him in the interview. And it's like, okay, that's, that sounds cool. Let's try it out. First week working with Vin. So for context on TikTok. Yeah. What yeah, were well, like, yeah, well, the numbers? Yes. On TikTok, he had like 7,000 followers when I started. In, in, uh, this was like in March, uh, in April, 2022. Mm-hmm. And Instagram had like 10K followers. Let's just focus on those two platforms. What? Yeah, had 10,000. Then had 10,000 followers. Last year. Yeah, in April, 2022. Wait a
0: <laughs> minute.
1: No way. Yeah. First first week with working with Vin, I made two, two videos that I made went viral. Immediately, his Instagram went up to like 90K followers. Yeah, and then his TikTok went up to like 60k or something.
0: Holy shit!
1: Yeah, so then immediately Vince like, oh wow, I just got the right person for this job. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been trying to, he's been hustling on social media for like ten years. You know? Was he doing that himself? The editing? No, like he has a he has another videographer and uh-huh. editor who does it. But um, like he was getting, like his name's Craig. Mm. He was getting the content still up to a really there? good point. He still works with them. Yeah. yeah, really creative guy. I look up to that guy, man. His editing is so good.
0: But it wasn't more, so his editing style is more on, not on the, like, social media side. Right? Yeah,
1: he, he, he's really good at editing for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that we describe it is Vin is the content creator. Craig is the content, like, he puts all the content together mm. and then I'm the, like, I polish the content and I make it, I give it, like, a more social media feel yeah, yeah. and look. So the content's already good. It's shot on really amazing cameras and everything and then I'm there to polish it and make it, like, social media ready, Yeah, yeah. you can say. So yeah, first week, blew up on TikTok, on Instagram, and uh, I'm like, okay, this is going pretty well. First <laughs> week, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, but long story short, kept doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. In a year's time, across all of his socials, he went from, I think, around 100k across all platforms. Yeah. And then in one year's time, he got up to 3 million.
0: Jesus, yeah, man.
1: Across like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn.
0: That's something I put on your resume, man. Yeah. You solo carried that?
1: Well, I I think I did a lot of the work is like a lot of the groundwork is already laid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But but you're the one putting it up there.
1: Yeah. So I did a lot of, I do basically all of his um, editing for social media as well as the distribution of the content. So I post on all platforms, Mm. um, edit and um, distribute it for everyone to see. And then we have a process where once a month we connect and we look at what content's working, what's not, what's not working. And then what are some takeaways we can bring into next month and just rinse and repeat. And that's. How, that's how we've been able to um, grow that fast. But it all it always starts with having actual good content first and yeah, yeah. good delivery. Yeah, because um, it's like you can't polish a turd and make it look nice. You know, <laughs> I've heard that one. Yeah, or you can't put lipstick on a pig. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were the tips that he gave you?
0: And now I'm curious for communication for the, or for the, yeah, when you were you you messaged him public speaking skills or what are some tips to introduce my bo- old boss?
1: Yeah. So like I already did. The, the actual course, but my my fear was like my throat's gonna dry up if I talk too too long. Mm. And uh, <laughs> the funny tip I remember he gave me was like right before the event, like right before you do it, chew like a tiny gummy bear <laughs> in the back of your mouth, because the gummy bear it helps it induces like, saliva, like yeah, salivation, yeah, helps to induce saliva, which helps your throat be more like ready for, okay. like speaking. But ultimately, it's like the day before is when you should be preparing, which is like drinking water. Because the, the, when you drink water on the day, it doesn't really do much effect to um, your throat. It's like, right, right. It's what you do the day before. Prep, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's very interesting. It was a challenge for me because uh, the girl who told me to do it, she's like, you have 24 hours to prepare this. She told me 24 hours like the day before. Well, well, um, what were
0: you doing exactly though? So you were going on stage and just saying like.
1: Yeah. So going on stage just to like kind of share my story of like, oh, this is. I work on the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is what things I've learned here. And, and you know, please welcome to the stage. And then I just, just bring up on stage. Yeah. Just kind of like an MC for the event. Ah, uh, okay. A little bit.
0: So his two tips were drink water
1: and eat a gummy bear. <laughs> drink, drink water the day before, but in the morning of, um, like, chew on a little gummy bear because it helps with the saliva and helps, you know, keep your throat more moist. I'm assuming you don't leave it in there, right? Nah, nah, you swallow it, yeah. <laughs> I thought but, you were just chewing a gummy bear the whole time while you were talking. But, but the thing was, like, I actually didn't even do, use, that, use that tip. Like, I got there and I was so nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to focus on what I'm going to say. Try not to, like, mess it up. Was it a big, big crowd of people? Yeah, it was just our whole team. So there was probably like fifty, like maybe forty five. Oh, you people. had me
0: thinking it was like a a big presentation he was doing, and you will bring him onto stage.
1: Well, it was he. He was going to do a presentation, but it's just for the team, not like for yeah, clients or yeah, anything. Yeah, I yeah, I thought it was
0: a big crowd, but fifty still, made yeah, a big amount. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was. I'm it was like in the hotel, well.
1: like in a hotel area, like event space. Event space, yeah.
0: And it went, went swimmingly well.
1: Swimmingly, yeah. I was just going to say swimmingly well. <laughs> oh, see, we're just connecting. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Mm. And now you've been working under him for, oh, for, for Vin, well, for, how long for a year and almost two years now. That's crazy. Like a year and like eight months. And it's gone quick. Your motto has always been Find work that feels like play, that one?
0: Find work that feels like play. That's correct. And do you think you've found that in your life?
1: I think my whole life has been in search of something like that. I didn't actually phrase that because that's something that Vin told me. And I'm like, wow, that's that's a really good ring to it. (laughs) Um, But I feel like I've also started to redefine my definition of like what success looks like for me. And that is, and it's been a theme throughout my whole life, which is doing what I love with Mm. people that I love and making a good impact on the world from my little corner of the world. And like, as long as I'm doing that, I think I'm pretty happy. I don't know if you feel like
0: you might not get the recognition sometimes because you're the one doing all the editing behind it.
1: You mean like do I get recognized for it or? or
0: well, do you get recognition for it? No, I don't know. Just Yeah, yeah,
1: I do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Vin's always like, because I remember the first time I went to his workshop like in person to help crew. Yeah. He's like introducing his team members on stage and then he's like, Pete, when you come up, introduce yourself. You know, I want you to own the fact that you grew my social media and that like 80% of the people in this live event right now, he's paying like, thousands of dollars yeah, yeah. is because of the content that they've seen that you've put oh, out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you actually said that? <laughs> you're here
0: because of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I was more humble. <laughs> but Vin was like, just own it. Because I, I, I try to be humble and I'm just like, you know, I've, I've helped Vin, you know, do this. But ultimately, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's team effort, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, no, just own it. People that's wouldn't nice. be here if you, didn't, if you weren't doing what you're doing. You yeah, know? that's nice. So I do feel very lucky to be part of his team. Because
0: he he gives you that recognition at least. To give yeah. You
1: opportunity. It's interesting because a lot of companies want to be what's called a giant giant. Like they want to have massive impact with yep. like a massive team. Whereas Vin's like, I want to be a small giant, which is make a lot of impact with just a small team of people that mm, he cares about. Yeah. And I find that really inspiring. Like a lot of uh, people in the community, like um, like Asians, like, you know, rich, ultra rich by Fade. Yeah. Ultra fade by Rich. Sorry. Yeah, the hairdresser. And, um, a bit more context, he was
0: a hairdresser that started in high school and then now he's got like a pretty successful business in the area. He's quite recognised yeah. for yeah the Asian community.
1: Got a strong following and I love seeing what he's doing with his team because they look like just a bunch of friends that come together, really good at what they do. They just cut hair, they just have yeah. fun. And I just, I love that vibe, you know, like I yeah. want to create that vibe with the people around me and I'm lucky to be part of Vin's tribe, his team. How big is a team actually? It's not that big. It's only like, maybe like less than 10 people. Less than
0: 10 people. man. I've seen some of his, his invoices. I went to his, um, virtual, wasn't a, wasn't a, like a small workshop or something. And then he, Oh, is this the free one that happened recently? The free one? Yeah. Yeah. On Instagram. Yeah, I, I did watch it. And then he brought up one of his invoices for, I think it was like IBM or something. And then, he was just saying his, that was his first big gig or something. And then they, I think he charged them like a couple hundred grand, something like that. Yeah.
1: Remember the number? You probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Like he said the first time I did a, cause COVID happened and then he couldn't believe what he was able to charge. Cause it was like a virtual keynote for one hour in my garage for 110 USD. Yeah. Like 110 grand a USD. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he says like, the reason why people like speakers are able to charge so much is because The ability to inspire and influence people is one of the most highly valued skills, my skill sets, because you can move a lot of people, whereas it's, it's really hard to like influence people or change people. It it is a a very unique skill set to have in itself,
0: but you went to the workshop yourself. I mean, how much value did you find in that? Was that that
1: the virtual one? That was the virtual one.
0: Not the in-person one, but you've you've kind of been in the environment of the in-person one as well, not as an, att- an attendee, but at least while you're working. But do you think there's a lot of value behind it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's one of the most, like I guess, important skill sets that you're not really taught in life. Communication. Communication skills. And uh, because I've done the course, I feel like I could have gr- like improved my communication skills faster. But now because I'm editing for VIN, like I said before, I'm getting paid to like learn all these new skills yeah. and, and I'm learning through just hearing, and so yeah. uh, like if I pick up something cool, I'm like, okay, I'll tr- I'll try that, you know, I'll try to talk with a high pitch, you know, I'll, tr- I'll try to try talk with a deep pitch, you know, <laughs> and I'll just try like different behaviors because um, ultimately, like yeah, how you influence others with your voice is how you use your voice and mm-hmm. the things that you say, and it's not just what you say, it, but it's how you say it too. Is, is what I'm trying to get at. And so when I went through that workshop, yeah, it was it was super valuable. And when you can inject that skill into, like, whatever area of life you're doing, you will find that you're able to connect with people better um, mm. and you can have more impact on people. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the content that's been coming out because it's really quick things. Like There was one about how do you train your voice to just, like, strengthen the, the vocal cords or something just oh, gotta make, the, like, the noises.
1: That <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. That, that one went so far. <laughs> in
0: the description, I was like, no, I never really thought of that. It's a good point um, because I don't know if it's just me, but my voice cracks a lot. I don't know if it's because I don't stretch it or something or I just talk really
1: weird. I I love your voice, man. Like me and Celine, my girlfriend, we uh, listen to your podcast (laughs) and we're both like, man, his voice is so soothing. Um, Like Nathan's (laughs) voice is very like... Like alpha and commanding, and yours is so like a complete opposite. Super soothing, really <laughs> nice to listen to. <laughs> I didn't come here to, to to get my ego struck Right, and, all
0: right. I'll send you fifty dollars. Thanks, so.
1: right. so right, 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 thanks. but But um, no, that's it's really flooding. What about Matt? I feel like Matt's a mix between you and and Nate. Like he's in the middle. Like his voice isn't. Like his voice, I, I like his voice too. It's very, it's it's more similar to Nathan's, I'd say. Yeah. So um, it's like he's, it's he's,
0: he's not alpha, he's beta. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's good to know. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, But yeah, my voice cracks a lot. It's um, I I don't know. I think I just talk weird, so I'm always just like, oh, ah. I'm like, oh, how do I overcome this? So I'll, I'm trying to implement the the stretches that he does with the voice thing. Yeah, good content. Good
1: good practice. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I'm, I make the content. Yes. I'm glad you like it. So it's all you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. All the stuff you see from him, you just got you can thank Pete. Since you've worked with Vin, so that now it's a full-time gig? Yep. Yeah. Full-time gig. Yeah. And I'm assuming just regular hours that you're doing with him.
1: One of my biggest focuses or things that I wanted in my life was autonomy. Like I wanted mm. to be able to do what I love with people that I love wherever I want, however I want. And yeah, essentially just have like location freedom and, and time freedom. Yeah. And I feel like with this gig, I, I definitely have that. Like I'm able to, like I, but I, I still structure my hours in like, an, like a 7.30 regular, to 4.30 yeah. regular normal cycle because routine is important. Yes. Because if you don't have that, then you're just really messy. I don't want to be doing work at like, you know, 2 a.m. in the morning. No, that's terrible. Um, but I can, but I, I choose not to. <laughs> good, good. Because I also like my sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, I, I think uh, I've been able to have that flexibility and I think that's also very important to me is not just what I do for work, but also how I live my life and I think work is just a part of life. Like you need, you need to work. But I also think like, if you're going to work for like 40 years or more, you might as well try and find something that, you know, you're going to actually enjoy. I know some people are doing things that they might not, they may not enjoy, mm. but they're using that money to fund something else. And I think that's perfectly fine. As long as like, you're aware of like, why you are doing what you're doing? You know, instead of just doing it mindlessly, because I, I feel like a lot of people, and I think, I think part of just like going through the system of school and union stuff I used to think that you go to school, go to uni, get a job for 40 years, the same job. And you just retire. And then you just retire. I'm just like, that is not so boring. <laughs> yeah, it's very depressing when you put it like that. But then I remember, yeah, throughout uni, I found, I don't know if you heard of the book, 4-Hour Work Week? It's by, oh, It's familiar. Yeah. yeah. It's by a guy named Tim Ferriss. We'll link that in the description. That's one of the books that like transformed my thoughts around work life and stuff. Because it talks about how you got three currencies, right? You got time, money, and energy. Mm-hmm. Then, when when you're young, you have a lot of time and energy, but you have no money. Yeah. And then when you're working in like the middle ages, <laughs> you got a lot of um money and energy, but you have no time because you're just yeah, working all the time. A lot of
0: money's <laughs> questionable. We're, at, <laughs> we're <laughs> at that stage, but yeah. I don't know about that one. Well, hopefully <laughs> that's that's <the> normal. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then when you're old, you have a lot of time and money. Sorry, money and energy. time and money, but not enough energy because mm. you're really you're older now, right? Yeah. So, in a way, if you go through that normal pathway in life there's always there's some kind of deficiency in one yeah. of the currencies right so how do you live a life where you can maximize all of that or have it you know evenly balanced throughout and that 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 thought pattern made me go like oh well wow, i feel like i want to do that like i don't want to i don't want to have no energy when I'm older like i want to have a lot of time money and energy all the time <laughs> yeah and so i guess that's why i i decided to kind of go down this route a bit more even though i know that it was risky I'm the only sibling in my family that's, like, not doing something related to their degree. I got how many? Others? I got four siblings. Or sorry, three siblings.
0: Yeah. And they're all doing, what, something in STEM or something?
1: Yeah, like, my brother's a teacher. My older brother does, like, web design and IT. My sister does, like, occupational therapy. Oh, so, they're I all in, like, their uh, fields yeah. related to their degree. Yeah. Whereas me, I did commerce and I did, like, video editing, right? So, in a way, like, it was a risk that I was willing to take. Mm. But I think I was able to take it because I knew that my parents were really supportive, like, from the start even though sometimes they, they would question like, oh, you know, how much money are you making? And, you know, would, would you think you'd make more money if you found a, you know, a job in your degree and stuff? And I know that that's just them like kind of caring for me. Yeah. And just hoping like I'm okay, but I'm glad that, you know, they didn't judge me or didn't deny me my, my love for magic or love for video editing, you know? Cause- yeah. Cause I'm,
0: I'm thinking of it and I, we didn't really cover this earlier, but yeah, your parents must've been really worried about, you know, what, what's the next step for you and, what does that even involve? Because I told my parents, oh, like, you know, I edit videos for fun, but they're like, they got no clue if that makes money. How did they react when you are like, oh, I just I edit videos for some guy on, on Instagram and Facebook Honestly, and
1: sometimes they still, they still don't understand yeah. <laughs> what, I, what i do. I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, man. I'm just like, yeah, I just edit videos for this guy.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, it's not that hard, right? It's, just, <laughs> it's
1: Yeah. Just, but how
0: much can you earn? Like, really? Like, yeah. yeah.
1: But honestly, like, one of the biggest benefits for me now is because I'm able to work from home like full-time mm. like my mom she's always the like the house carer yeah and uh you know she used to just work at like stay at home and then like everyone's gone working come back home mm. now now that i can work from home like i see my mom every day oh i love her she, like she makes me breakfast and coffee oh, have, that's so like
0: <laughs> free cafeteria
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh but a lot of respect for for my parents because um yeah if they weren't supported from the start i, I feel like it would be a lot harder for me to uh to get to where I am now. Mm. Yeah. So I feel, I feel very lucky. I feel very lucky because mm. I know a lot of Asian parents are very strict. And the moment you bring up anything outside of accounting or medicine or finance or whatever, or doctor, um, they'll be like, no. And what would you say to people that might want to pursue something in media?
0: I'm thinking of it. Maybe their parents aren't as supportive,
1: especially for Asian parents. I would say that you need to show proof of what that, what you're doing is actually making your money first. Mm. Cause a lot of, people feel like they need to ask for permission to be like, oh, I want to do this. Will you let me? Mm. And then you go do it. And they're still kind of unsure because they're like, oh, is he going to make money from this? Is he going to spend three years doing this and not make any money or she? But I I think do it first on the side whilst you're doing your uni degree or doing your job and show that you can actually make income out of it. Uh, Because once that proof is there, that money for them is kind of like, and uh, it's kind of like the concept of financial security, knowing that you can make money from this then once you show that to them, they're like, oh, "Okay, you know, you're you making something. Yeah. Um, let's see where it goes." But they, they have a more security now, so I think that really helps. Is if you want to pursue something outside of your traditional career path, mm. is to get the proof first. The money's there.
0: The money's there.
1: And you even said
0: before that you had some safety nets in between that when you were testing it out. So that would obviously be a good option if you do have the time and resources to work a second job just in case it doesn't work out. Yeah,
1: exactly. I I think a lot of people feel like they need to rip off the bandaid and quit their job straight away. And Mm. I had that so many times. I'm like, I just want to quit working with this company and just do my own thing. But Mm. there's no safety net there. So I always ensure that like there's some kind of smooth transition because if I can't do it, then I'm still safe. You know, I still got my job here and I still like it. So it's okay. Yeah. I mean, do you anticipate staying here for a while? I do, yeah. I think uh how I look at life now is in chapters. I used to look at life as just one big thing.
0: Mm. But now
1: like life is, you know, a chapter here in your twenties and then your thirties and your forties or whatever that chapter looks like. Yeah. Um however you want to define it. But for me, I think my next this chapter right now is just still still working with Vin, um, investing in myself. Mm. And th- there may there may come a time where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And uh, we've already had that conversation and it's like, it's okay. Yeah. We're here to support each other. And as long as you're living in alignment with, you know, your goals and your dreams, and then I'm here to support you. But, you know, whilst you're in this chapter, let's have as much fun as we can. Let's, yeah. let's create as much impact as we can in the world. But when the time comes, it's like, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about it. and whatever It sounds like
0: you're having a good time though. You're not, you don't have any plans to move from the sound of things.
1: Yeah. I, I think for me now it's uh, like, I want to always have a foundation of like, doing what I'm or like doing what I love. Yeah. And then from there is like where I build. So I'm doing that already. So now the next the next like future goals would be like, you know, looking like to buy a home or something or traveling more or growing my relationship mm. or. Or do you travel a lot with Vin? I, uh, every like two months now or every month I fly down to Adelaide because he lives in Adelaide. Does he pay for that? Yeah. Yeah. It's all paid for. Oh, that's nice. That's what I
0: miss. I work in the public sector for context and we get nothing. (laughs) You you can even get free transport in your Uh, trains, right? I don't get an Opal card. All right, to reveal a bit more where I am. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, anything you do, it's got to be, it's heavily scrutinized because it's public funds. So even Christmas parties, it's everything self-paid because it's taxpayer money, right? With a private business, it's your own company's money. So you can do whatever you want with it. Mm. So um, yeah, that's that's (laughs) the difference. Uh, yeah. I miss those having at Did least... you used to
1: get paid to travel and
0: stuff? Not travel. I've, I've always wanted to have that option, but I've never just gotten to that point in my career where they'll fly me out somewhere for a weekend or something because I'm like, oh, that, that always sounds nice. Mm. Yeah,
1: But like the thing is you do get sick of it sometimes because sometimes I wish I could just teleport because the travel, it loses its magic the moment you do it. The moment you do anything too many times, you kind of lose the magic from it. I don't know. I kind of like it. I think if you have
0: certain perks, maybe if you're
1: uh, flying business or something. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah, nicer. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that, that does make sense. You, you might lose.
1: I, I did read something interesting though recently about travel because I'm planning to travel to Japan next year yeah. in April. And then a lot of people fly economy and then they get to the destination. Mm. And that's kind of saying that your holiday starts once you're at the place. Whereas people who pay for like for like business class or something, mm-hmm. Their holiday starts like on the plane, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting! Interesting way to look at it. Like, it's more expensive, but you're not lo- you're not waiting to start the holiday. Like, just starting the holiday once you get on the plane."
0: That's a quote from also. I think I've heard that from uh, Steve Huey. I think that's his name. He Huey runs is that. He <laughs> he runs a business where he looks at your expenditures as a business, and then he tries to find the best way to utilize can these cats move off the camera move <laughs>
2: sure
0: so his company looks at your business and then sees how can I utilize credit cards to build points and then use those points to convert into flying business for example oh. so he's mentioned that and he's also been on Level Asian podcast really so be okay. good listen to and because you're a sole trader with an ABN you could probably look into that use a credit card fly business
1: very interesting yeah I do not know how to play that game Right now, credit
0: card churning, you should get into it. Yeah, I'm in that. It's that's that's
1: basically where you use a credit card, you pay off the credit card by the end of the month, but you use it for the benefits, right? As, as, as you're benefits, in debt. but you yeah. would.
0: Credit card churning is more about the sign up bonuses. Mm-hmm.
1: So you just you'd sign
0: up, you get like 90,000 Qantas points, for example. Then after you get it, you just cancel the card and move on to the next one. Yeah, damn. Yeah. So it looks good the pretty. system, that's how you win. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get to that point in my career where I could use points. Uh, sorry, where I could get flown out for something. I always thought it was cool, and I could also justify my purchase of a Steam Deck because I don't really use it these days. But, um, that's
1: the Steam Deck, like
0: Steam Deck. It's like a it's like a Switch, but the console uses your Steam games. Oh, your, wow, that's cool. Not Nintendo games.
1: I yeah. didn't know that was a thing. It's
0: not in Oz. It was only released in the US. Any advice for people that want to? Edit their travel videos. How should we start? The jump cut, some music. Oh, God. Just cut the scene depending on the beat. That's how everyone starts.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like uh, the most common way is to edit in like a montage style where, like, find a nice song, cut the clips to the music. Yeah. But the style that I'm trying to do more of is more like a. Yeah, I like this guy named on, on YouTube. His name's Craig Adams. Mm. He used to do like wedding videos on, on YouTube and teach them. But then he he does these really beautiful hiking video vlogs yeah. and uh, he did something called a super vlog which is essentially like a really long like 30 minute style travel video. It's it's not your typical like three minute montage. It's like a 30 minute long thing where inside each of like inside the video there's like sequences of cinematic moments and oh. then there's like vlog moments then there's like really, yeah, it's just like a nice mixture of the, the whole journey and it's cut in a very non-linear way, I guess. It's not like start to finish. It's more like yeah, it's, it's like you're showing your experience in a, in a unique way that's not just a typical montage format.
0: That seems like you'd need a lot of experience with to know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of... yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I went to Vietnam recently in April and, and mm-hmm. I went to Malaysia as well. And I have so much footage that I'm trying to cut to, towards something. But it is a tough job. I, I wouldn't say I'm a good montage editor <laughs> at all. But <Will> you still <laughs> do a little bit of
0: that kind of thing on Instagram just for fun? Like when you went hiking with your friend... Mm. You
1: did a bit of a little vlog style thing. That was that was very cute. Yeah, so I'm trying to like get more into vlogging because I think it's fun just to capture your memories like that. But yeah, it, it is it is quite a tough gig to to do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I could give more sh- more tips on like editing, like short form content for like personal brands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of editing videos, you also run a side gig, which you also do on top of full time working with Dinjang. Which is the Dodgeball Dudes.
1: So the Dodgeball Dudes is uh, a YouTube channel that me and my friend Phil, the guy that I used to work with at Eclipse, yeah. my boss, uh, we're like best friends now and we, we create this YouTube channel together. <laughs> Hello.
0: <laughs> Continue. Um, this cat will appear on the video <laughs> if you're watching.
1: So like after I quit Eclipse in like 2019 to, to start my full-time job, for a period of time, me and Phil only really saw each other at Dodgeball, which is the sport that we played together. And uh, outside of that, we used to see each other every day. So... We felt like we wanted to do something more together because I didn't want our our friendship to end there, our journey to end there, right? Mm. So we're at our friend's uh, wedding, Peter and Julie, uh, in 2020. And we're like... Congratulations, (coughs) guys. Congratulations, yes. They're having a They've had a baby now, so... Well done, Peter and Julie. Yeah, well done. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) It must have been hard. Uh, And... And Phil was like drunk off his face. He was like, I have the footage of this. He's like hugging me. He's just like, I love you so much. And <laughs> and, and uh, he's just like, you know, we just, I miss you so much. We should do more things together. Yeah. And like we should st- we should do a podcast or something. And so that was the first idea. We we're going to do a podcast together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next week after all the alcohol was gone, we uh, went to his house and we started brainstorming about topics that we could talk about. Like yeah. we came up with like a full list of things. Like we wanted to talk about, you know, um, storytelling or personal development mm-hmm. or you know, technology or whatever. Um, dodgeball was one of them. And, w- and we were like, oh, I don't know if we want to do dodgeball. Like, we have so many other interesting things to talk about. But then, like, after, like, three hours of brainstorming, we were like, oh, but dodgeball, we've been doing it for, like, seven years now. And Wait,
0: seriously, you've been playing for that long?
1: Yeah, started in 2016. Damn. Yeah. I've only played, I think,
0: if you want to add them all up, probably, like, less than a year. Really? A couple months, I think.
1: No way. I thought you've been playing for longer, man. Or maybe it has been like, I don't know, maybe
0: <laughs> year. yeah. if Let's, you want to
1: total it. I feel like a year and a half or something, I don't know. Alright, maybe, <laughs> I, I actually don't know. But then uh, we're like, yeah, we're actually pretty good at dodgeball. I think there's a lot of people who can learn from us and literally there's only one person doing dodgeball content online oh, yeah. and I reckon we can beat them. Like yeah. it's not, not in a bad way, but like I reckon <laughs> we can do better because we, we have a unique set of skills that we bring. Yeah. Phil's really passionate about dodgeball, he's really good at communicating, uh, very funny I have like a more technical background. I have the camera gear. I have the Mm. editing skills. Let's combine that together and let's talk about dodgeball. So that was in 2020 in May. We filmed our first episode. We filmed two episodes together that we never released where we just tried to do like a podcast style to practice. And uh, so yeah, like after, after filming, like comparing our first video to like the video now, like there's something about showing up on camera or like talking in a podcast that makes you like you improve over time. Yeah. Like regardless of how bad you think your voice sounds or how, how awkward you feel like you're on camera, you start to improve over time, even if you don't see it, but you notice it when you compare the videos and it's it's like night and day. Like the first videos we filmed was very like, Oh, hey guys. Like it's very super monotone. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it's so horrible. It's so cringe to watch, But, but that's how we got started. And during lockdown in 2020 was in September was when we were like, okay, We should start posting now because people are at home. We have Um, a captive audience. Yeah. People are on the social social media. What are they going to do? Let's make dodgeball content. And uh, that's how we started. And we started uh, zero subscribers. Within, I think, within like five months, we hit 1K subs. Damn. And that was like the best feeling ever because we were like, we're going to grind it out. Let's make one video a week. Oh, that's hard. Which is really tough. Like it sounds... It sounds achievable, but it's, it's achievable, but we're losing a lot of sleep. Yeah. Um,
0: Cause you got other things going on.
1: You got other yeah. Things got a full-time job doing another side hustle. And it's like, so like we were super committed. Mm. Um, right now, after two years, we're at just under 5k subs. We, we basically share lots of dodgeball content around like education, like teaching how to play dodgeball better, uh, reacting to other people's dodgeball games. So lots of, lots of value for the community there. And we are slowed down a bit because of other priorities. Mm. But our our goal next year is to really ramp it up again and bring it back to one video a week, which means more time dedicated to the dodgeball dudes. And I, I was talking to Phil about this yesterday. I'm like, dude, I reckon we could hit 20k subs next year if we post more content consistently. Yeah, we we could, uh, yeah, we could easily hit 20k subs, and we can make more money. Like we can monetize better. And monetization is always a question for like creators because you're like, oh, do I want to make money off my audience or do I want to create? Um, like do I wanna advertise and stuff? Like eventually it's like you can't scale with your business or your podcast or your or your YouTube channel like seriously if if you don't find some way to monetize it, right? It's like the business of podcasting or the business yeah, of a YouTube channel. You
0: Ad insertion or something or yeah. Patreon, who you knows? Yeah. Something sure. like that. But so is isn't, yeah. isn't it a pretty niche community though? It'd be hard to grow up to a certain point, right?
1: It is pretty niche, and I always have that fear that like, oh, is there even twenty thousand people in Dodgeball? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, but like, how, many, how big is the whole worldwide sport? Yeah, I don't so. know. But I know that Dodgeball is growing mm. and so we're relying on us to grow the sport. Uh, the sport to so help it, yeah. grow us as well. So it's kind of like a, a mutual exchange. It's a really fun journey, man. But being being like like putting yourself out there, it's a it's a vulnerable thing, but it's it's rewarding because you get so much out of it. You get you learn how to edit, you learn how to take photos better, you learn how to speak on camera better Mm. uh, you become more confident as well and uh, it's a constant journey I'm not saying I'm the best because I'm not Uh, sometimes like me Phil and I we're doing it for two years now but we still find ourselves stop recording doing like 10 takes so it's never like a like everything you see on social media is always like a polished version that's taken yeah so many takes cut it
0: down a lot yeah and I remember you did get a lot of recognition when you went to the dodgeball throwdown in Malaysia I think Mm. And then everyone recognized you like, Oh my God, it's the dodgeball dudes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. How did that feel? That was like, so like a mini celebrity, right? (laughs) Weird. Yeah. Like I I knew that people were going to like approach us because during the world dodgeball championships, only Phil went to Canada Yeah, and he went to watch the world, but also film content. And then at the same time he was filming, he was sending the footage back to me in Sydney to edit. So we had the cycle of trying to release a new video every day whilst to document the world's journey. Yeah. That was super fun. But only Phil got to meet the fans at the time, and I hadn't met like met any fans besides from Australia. Mm. And so Malaysia this year was my first time actually meeting my fans. And like <laughs> the moment we get out of the Uber at the at the tournament, like at the venue, everyone's like, oh, "Is is that a dodgeball, dude? Is that, is that? <laughs> oh, what?" <laughs> and we're just like, "Yeah, hi." Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yo, you must have felt so
1: awkward. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, like uh, it's weird getting that amount of attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm very introvert as well. Mm. So. I'm not one to stick around and be like, oh, hey, you want to, do you want my signature and stuff? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, hey, how you going? And then, like, you know, if I see that they want to take a photo, I'll be like, oh, do you want to take a, take a photo? Mm. Well, they, they, they would usually ask themselves, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, that was, was such a fun experience. Like, I had so many photos of people wanting to take photos of us. And it's cool to put a face, put faces to yeah, the impact that the we have. The viewers had. that you're getting. Yeah. yeah. It's just
0: a number. It's like, oh. Ten thousand people, but then you just meet one of them, and it's like, wow, this guy's changed my life.
1: Exactly, and and it's cool because like people DM us and they tell us like, oh, this content's so good, mm. and then to finally see them in person is really cool. Yeah, to know that we're making a little impact in this tiny sport in this little corner of the world is yeah, yeah, very cool.
0: All right, shout out to the dodgeball dudes <laughs> so, and and the subscribers.
1: Shout out to the dodgeball dudes yeah. and and the subscribers. We'll link his
0: YouTube channel down below as well. If you want to hear more from Peter, where can we find you? On all of your content. You got your do you want to plug your main Instagram as well or?
1: Yeah, my main Instagram is Sneaky Pete with uh two E's, so we'll put her up on the screen or S N E E K Y We'll link it somewhere. P E E T E underscore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Yeah, YouTube, Dodge the Dodgeball Dudes, that's where you'll probably see me the most online. Uh posting dodgeball content. Yeah.
0: And behind the scenes for Vin.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. If you follow Vin, ask Vin on social media. Uh, a lot of the content is is something that I make. <laughs> Give him a follow.
0: <laughs> pat on, big pat on the back, for Peter, <laughs> for his work. If you have any other questions or feedback, you can email us
1: at riceandmikespodcast
0: at gmail at Otherwise, we will close off this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Whenever I feel like doing another recording, because it takes me very long to get in between episodes. will see Bye. you then. Thanks. So Bye.